Support Black Podcast. One reps for the old school and one reps for the down and dirty. Both of them are ladies that love hip-hop. Ladies love hip-hop. We're self-appointed hip-hop aficionadas, CJ and Summer Willow, kick in the door, wave in the full fold, screaming, ladies love hip-hop too. God damn it. That's ladies love L-U-V hip-hop. Check them out on SoundCloud. Check them out where you find good podcasts. Like them on Instagram because these ladies are lovely and their hip-hop is deadly. Remember, support Black Podcasts. All right, we're up and running. What's up to all our sidekicks? You want to start over again with some energy? <clears throat> What's up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to Gutter Talk. Gutter Talk! I'm Johnny Destructo. We're here at 4456 Main Street in Maniung, PA, for the last time, I for think. For the last time. Yes, and who are you, good sir? Why, I am Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. Do you want to do that again, but less erection-inducing? I'm Len. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Gutter Talk. Uh, we're here to talk about, I don't know, comics, pop culture, all the things that keep us from truly living our lives. You want to start with emails? Letters. Oh, we got letters. Oh, we got lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. We got one from Maurice Poplar. Hey, fellas, what do you think of this notion going around the interwebs about Loki not being dead? Ooh. For the record, I'm not a Loki fan, but the writers seem to love him, and he is starting to grow on me. The theory goes, <laughs> in Infinity War, Loki seems to die very easily, too easily, at the hands of Thanos, his former boss who Loki knows can kill him easily. Mm-hmm. This is right after Hulk gets dishragged by Thanos <laughs> and transported to Earth. I think that's how it goes. Himdall is already in on the plan to send Hulk to Doctor Strange to get the Avengers involved. And once Bruce Banner gets to Earth around people who know what the Hulk can really do, Banner never once turns into Hulk but claims he can't. And this is all a ruse because in re in the reality of a comic book movie, it's not Banner at all. It's Loki. Loki, who would never sacrifice himself for the cause and might just take a quick butt whooping from Thanos if it means he could run away to live another day. Loki, the trickster. This theory claims that the weirdness between Black Widow and Bruce is because Loki didn't know they had a thing going on. So he's trying to play along, but he's still on the back foot. Begs the question, then when or where is the real Bruce Banner? A question we have been asking for a couple of Marvel movies anyway, until Ragnarok. There is a throwaway line that Valkyrie and the two guys from Scarlet escaped was Thor in on, on, on this too? It almost seems too good to be true, but would be 
brilliant writing, if it is. What say you, gentlemen? So I've seen that uh, theory that Loki is in fact Bruce Banner, but like maybe I missed something. My wife was saying goodbye to me at the time, so I didn't catch the entire email. But the, the problem I have with that theory is that Bruce keeps trying to summon the Hulk and the Hulk being like, nah. Um, and it happens in a, a time where I don't think it's for the benefit of other players, right? For other players in the film. Mm -hmm. I think it's he's inside the armor fighting yes and he's trying to get the hulk out by himself and we're only privy to it because of the omniscient narrator right like the the camera just floating around and letting us be inside the armor with him but don't you see a couple of times you see his face kind of almost morph into the hulk that's what i'm saying right yeah right, yeah right. like he almost turns into the hulk and the hulk shows up and says no and then goes back away and he's like right. what do you mean no to so me would that belies the theory because loki if he turns into Bruce Banner, he's not going to turn into Bruce Banner with the Hulk. Right. You know, he would just turn into, he would just, to, or if, or if the, if the idea is that he turned into the Hulk when Hemdall sent him down to Earth, then he wouldn't have turned back into Bruce Banner. Right. But that's what I'm saying is Bruce Banner transforms ever so slightly into the Hulk which makes it seem like it's really the Hulk and really Bruce Banner. Well, uh, but that's that's my point too. Oh, my I'm sorry. I thought is, you were saying the opposite. I'm no, sorry. my point is like you know he transported the Hulk. Yeah. Once you get away, you're not turning back to Bruce Banner. Exactly. You're turning back to Loki. Yeah. And keeping it moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at least you slip away, right? Right. Like there's a you know because I understand he he crashes to Earth and he's Bruce Banner and then Doctor Strange and Wong are there. Right. But there's got to be a time. During that film where, like, no one's looking at Bruce. Right. Right? And he can just be like, yoink, I'm away. Right. So I would like the idea. And also, I don't know if I like the idea of Loki yet again being dead yet again and faking it. That death seemed a little bit more brutal than the other ones. And, like, his eyes are bulged out and he's, like... Do you see his eye bulged? I don't Yeah, I don't like, his, I'm not bulged out of his, his skull, but, I mean, like, his eyes are bulged, like, his... They've gone bloodshot yeah, from being okay, strangulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think it's a little weird that a god like Loki could just be like, we're going to cut off his air. Do you know what I mean? But I he thought, gets strangled? No, but I thought you heard... A crack? A, a crack, because then you see his body like go real limp. So I guess it's... I guess even a god, you could have your neck snapped and you'll still be... Well, because I think that's the whole argument is that they're not really... Gods. gods. They're aliens. Right. Yeah, all right. I'll go with that. Um, I'll tell you, uh, I, I like this. So the one part that made me kind of, uh, that kind of tickled me on the email was, he's like, I don't really like Loki, but he's starting to grow on me. It's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah, of at least and in now the movies alone. Right. Yeah, now that he's dead, he's growing on you. He's been in like almost every movie. I do have to say, though, it always, first of all, if Hemdall was sitting there this whole time, and had the ability to yoink someone away. Yeah. What was he wait? What invitation was he waiting for? Right. Everybody was getting hemmed up. Yeah. It was, it was time. You murdered. Like, to, what are you? What are you doing? It's time yeah. to go. Yeah. And if you're going to send anyone to the Avengers, why aren't you sending Thor? Yeah. Yeah. The, your your lord, yeah. quote unquote, the guy who like runs your shit. Now the only thing that I could think of in defense of that was that. Uh, Thanos had Thor all bundled up in some in the, shit. In the metal. And I don't know if maybe he couldn't yoink him out yeah. of that. Safely. 
So that's the so yeah. that's the only thing that, that you know it's like okay. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, oh, you're sending the Hulk. That was weird. All right, interesting choice, Heimdall. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case that Loki is in fact still alive and posing as Bruce Hulk. But it it doesn't sit right. It it doesn't sit right. It doesn't it doesn't work story wise. And I also think that as true comic booky a thing as that would be, I think that would be a really big cheat. Yeah. Yes. And I don't think they want to go that way. Yeah, I agree. All right. So thank you. So the Home Dad Abroad has written in with an email titled For Better or Been There. Hey, Len and JD. Excuse me as I climb out of the gutter to address the throwaway warm-up opening segment before continuing to listen in the rest of the podcast, thus ensuring that any tirades you elicit post-hence will be tossed on the junk heap of one email per listener. Thanks, Saint Saucy. Anyway, on with schooling you in the form of an old man rant. For Better or For Worse by Lynn Johnston ran in newspapers from 1979 to 2008 and oh, followed yeah. the real-time lives of her characters. Yes. A woman's been doing that for that long? Why are you surprised that a woman's been doing that for that long? That's awesome. <laughs> I never knew. I never knew. I, I shouldn't have phrased it that way. Uh, and try yet it again. you have. And yet I have. What I meant was, that's dope. That's awesome that it's a, that it's a lady. I, I honestly never knew that the person who did that comic strip was a woman. Oh, because you never paid attention to the name, Lynn. Yeah, yeah. yeah and plus there are, there are male Lynns. And, you know, from That's my true, understanding, yeah. the newspaper comic game, that newspaper it's comic heavy, strip game, is all dudes all the time, 24-7. So um, just, just finding out that Lynn is, I just thought it was a Lynn, like a guy name. Um, just because it's all dudes. So finding out retro retroactively that it was a woman, I think that's great. I think that's amazing. Yeah, there have um, been a few women. What's that? There have been a few women yeah. comic strips. Remember Kathy? Ack! Yeah, I remember Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're just so, it's so it rare. It is rare. Yeah. It is rare. That's yeah. what I meant to say, and uh, I was so <laughs> flabbergasted that whatever came out of my mouth sounded douchey. <laughs> Um, so, uh, let's see. However, the quote-unquote original newspaper comic strip to do that was Gasoline Alley, written and drawn by Frank King from 1918 to his death in 1959, then su succeeded by his assistance, I almost said assassins, for his assist assistance to the present day. It has covered multiple generations and ancillary characters living through the seminal moments of the 20th century without realizing how seminal they were at the time. When I read it in the 70s, it followed the grown-up grandson of the original main character. Needless to say, I stopped reading it as soon as I understood Doonesbury. Dope! Doonesbury is another one that real-timed it before Johnston, which I'm sure we all agree totally belittles her accomplishments. <laughs> Uh, I'll let you continue. <laughs> I feel like he's being sarcastic there. As for the impressive 20-year solo creator run of The Savage Dragon, which I admittedly never got around to reading, it too follows precedent. The oft-forgotten Cerebus the Aardvark by Dave Sim, who wrote, drew, lettered, edited, published, and marketed it, later joined by a background artist, was published monthly from 77 to 2004 and in 1979 declared it would run for 300 issues as one complete story. Yes. Even though Sims started as a lame Conan parody. Yes, it did. It quickly evolved into a tri treatise? Tri tri 
Trist. Treatise? Treatise. Treatise. (laughs) A treatise on politics, religion, feminism, and comedy, illustrating views that grew ever more controversial and ever more insane while always telling a funny and unique story. Yes. Even the letters page broke ground as a precursor to the modern day internet forums as Sim allowed them to expand to about a third of the book after he stepped back from replying and just let the fans go at him and each other. But going nuts is no reason to disrespect the man's body of work. His lettering alone was brilliant, allowing a reader to sound out precisely how a character spoke, most notably in the dialogue of caricatured real people from Chico Marx to Keith Richards to Margaret Thatcher. Just read the damn thing. And now, on with the podcast. Oh, wait. I listened a little bit more. With regard to the ongoing hissy fit over old canon being discarded as an affront to old school fanboys, no one erased those old stories from existence. If they had, you wouldn't have the anger because, snap, they're gone from memory. Sure, it stings when it first happens, but those stories, books, comics, movies, shows still exist. If that is the alternate universe you want to dwell in, more power to you. But let's take a look at what fiction and fan fiction are. They are just fiction written by different people. What makes one thing canon over another is who owns the copyright. It doesn't make their version more valid or better. It just makes it legal to profit from. Take Star Wars, for example. Everyone admits that the original trilogy is canon because it was there first, and it was created and, somehow, directed by George. And yet, now that Disney paid a buttload to own that copyright, they have written off the expanded universe, which was legally licensed from the original copyright holder and therefore is legally canon, pissing off some. Oh, it's not. But they have also chosen to ignore the prequels written and directed by George, copyright holder George, creator George, because despite their legal pedigree, they sucked. Is anyone upset by that? Boo-hoo. Disney's ignoring canon. Feh, I say. Good is good whether you are allowed to profit from it or not. Canon is what makes your worldview hold together. The home dad abroad. P.S. Tiny thing about not knowing a character's full name. Kramer got a name in season three. Cosmo Kramer. Even gets referred to as Cosmo Cosmo by non-core characters throughout the remaining six seasons of Seinfeld. Yes, I, I, I realize that. PPS resuming podcast. Okay. Oof, that was ah, I'm tired now. Okay. That was a marathon. All right, Dad. First of all, Gasoline Alley never read it, heard about it, so if it, it set a precedent, God bless it. All right. Um it's going back to the comic strips. There was another comic strip that he referenced before uh for better or for worse. It was Gasoline Alley. And then it was Doonesbury. Yeah. Uh, Doonesbury, while I do believe did follow multiple generations, those generations very rarely changed in their look, at least from what I'm remembering. Um, And uh, also had the benefit of stopping and then... He came, Gary Trudeau, I think it was the, the writer and creator of that, stopped for a while and then came back to the comic strip years later down the line. Uh, Gary Trudeau, who, if I remember correctly, was married to Jane Pauley of um, Good Morning America. Not Good Morning America, the Today Show fame. I think this was she was married to. Anyway, um, 
just to school you a little bit, home dad. Um, oh, snap. As far as uh, uh, Cerebus. Ah. Cerebus, which I could never really get into. No. And yes, God bless Dave Sims for all the work that he did on that book. However, what he also had working, helping him on that book was an artist named Gerhard, or Gerard, I believe, who did the backgrounds. Oh, you mentioned the background artist. Okay, well, he had a background artist, which if you look at those comics, and, and I'm not taking anything any away from Dave Sims as an artist or a writer cuz he he was he was he was great as both but the backgrounds were some of the mo- most intricate stuff in any of those comics mm-hmm. anything at all also while he did announce that the book would famously run to 300 issues of him just doing it by himself and god bless him for doing that he too would step away from the from the pen and the pad for months and a couple of times for years at a time and then return back to the story as opposed to the savage dragon which has been you know it's been late sometimes but has been consistently for the most part month after month after month after month so i still consider that a a greater triumph than dave than dave sims because in many of those times for a lot of those times when eric was doing that dave was doing this and that was basically his bread and butter with cerebus eric larson was doing savage dragon and at one time he was also writing freak force writing um miniseries of the super patriot and doing other one-offs for all the other characters in this growing universe that he had created while also being for a long a long time the head muckety muck at image that's right yeah so also and he would every every so often he had come back a couple times to do some more spider-man work he would do some sports spider-man things he did that special um uh, Jack Kirby like tribute slash knockoff uh, world's greatest heroes to uh-huh. to the Fantastic Four. He would do special covers here and there. Dave Sims, if he wasn't doing Cerebus, he wasn't doing shit. He, Eric Larson is like Stephen King. Like I always made the joke, like Stephen King just can't stop typing, mm-hmm. and I feel like Eric Larson just can't put down a pencil. Yeah, yeah, and that's not a front. I mean, I'm not. He's not that's amazing. Not knocking it's, him. It's just real. It's, that's real yeah. talk. But um, so. Uh, you know, I take your Dave Sims and like you know, I poo poo. I poo poo you on your on your Dave Sims. Um, the, okay, here's what I know about. Here's my experience with Dave Sims comic books. Uh, back when I was 16 or 17, I was working at Comics and More in Northeast Philadelphia, right down the street. It was one of my first gigs. That wasn't fast food right. or a paperboy route. And uh, um, of course now I just think of paperboy from Atlanta. Anyway. Uh, I never knew what the word misogyny meant. Mm. And when someone was describing Dave Sims' Cerebus to me, that was the first time I heard the word misogyny. Right. And I had to go look it up and be like, what the fuck does that mean? So, because they were complaining there was a lot of it in his comments. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not something I want to, I want to read. Now, to his, to his credit. In, in his defense, like uh, Home Dad points out, Cerebus started as a Conan knockoff. Yeah. And Conan Which itself is very... Barbarian, so it's a whole lot yeah. of misogyny, so it, it would stand to reason that that would be in there. And point. I do think that in later issues, uh, Dave's... The story would comment mm-hmm. on that. Oh, okay. You know, and, and the character kind of 
had to deal with this level of misogyny that was in. Oh, so it was a send up of the misogyny inherent in the trappings of the thing that he's parodying? No, I don't think it was a send up. I think it was there blatantly, but oh. then as you know, you evolve. Yeah. You know, you learn. Grow up. You know, yeah. you, you deal with it. And the other thing he says, and I don't think this was necessarily a knock, but he was talking about, you know, if, if the if these books were licensed, then therefore, you know, that is then legal canon. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's one of the dumbest things I ever <laughs> heard of because fans of 70s and 80s and even 90s comic books remembers all, remember all those little Hostess Twinkie comic strip <laughs> ads that were in each and every one of those comic books. Yo, those those licensed <laughs> comic strips. Those have a, they have a place in my heart. Those they old do. Hostess. Mine too. Yeah, yeah, I love those. But they're not canon. <laughs> it was licensed, <laughs> but that doesn't make it legal canon. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, that I mean, was a great letter. Yeah, that was a, that was great. Um, <laughs> lengthy. Well, um, you know, he's yeah. verbose. Yeah, he's abroad. He puts it down. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's that email. Thank you, Home Dad Abroad. Guess who stepped into the mother loving hero complex? Kick in the door, wave in the four four. All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more. It's the B, the R, the A, the N, the D, the O, the N. You know, is Brandon. Word up, is Brandon. I don't have to do the show. This is that was that was the pinnacle of the show. <laughs> we we're not going to beat that. That was amazing. Hey, Brandon. You, you, you don't have a microphone. Yeah, we don't have a mic for we're, you today. You Brandon. know what's funny? They don't even. They, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to talk like he's here and pretend he's giving us questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how audio works. Hi. There he is. Yay, it's Brandon. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yayed himself. Um, all right, so is there anything else we wanted to talk about before? Does Brandon have things to ask us? Yes. Also, I just wanted to say, um, Christopher, good night, midnight. Yes. Uh, he mentioned last time the, that I got the Tarkin, I said Tarkin trilogy instead of Thrawn trilogy. And I wanted to know, I noticed it as soon as I said it. And I really hated myself for a sec. Um, and also, if you ha if he hasn't read the new Thrawn book, he should because it's good and it's canon. So when you could read it too because it counts. Yay! That's okay, Brandon. I I put my foot in my mouth earlier in the show as well. <laughs> Boy, yeah. did you? Well, a woman did all that work. <laughs> Golly. Um, so uh, what are we gonna do? What's next? Well, the next thing we were supposed to talk about is it's cloak and you, dagger. Can you tell me what is so special? And maybe Brandon even knows because I don't know. Great. Oh, great. So, first of all, cloak and dagger, which just debuted um, yesterday Freeform. as we were recording this on Freeform, um, formerly ABC Family, and it's a Marvel TV show about two teenagers, a, a white girl and a black guy. One is a dagger. One is cloak. I don't know anything else about them except that they used to have a comic book series back in the 80s? late 80s, 90s. And I believe, I want to say that the name, um, oh, the name lost me. He used to be a Spider-Man artist. Nick, no. Le oh, Leonardi? 
Yeah, Rick Leonardi. Rick Leonardi. Um, that name flashes in my brain as, as him being one of the artists. So you wanted to know about Cloak and Dagger. And he says they keep, you know, they've been optioned a couple of times to have a TV show or a movie or something like that. And you wanted to know, what is it about these two characters that makes people want to make movies and shows about them? Yes. I don't have that much comic book experience with their series. I think I may have dipped in once or twice back when they were having their own um, series back in the like the late 80s mm-hmm. i would try it out and i'd go oh, it's cute it's fine whatever it didn't, it didn't really grab me i did like their appearance in brian k vaughn's first season of the runaways okay because they are also runaways so it makes sense to bring them in as well so the thing about the characters though i can speak to how cool the characters could be um cloak and dagger as if i'm going to make a show i think it has all the elements the trappings of what might make an interesting and engaging television show. You've got a white girl and a black guy, mm-hmm. so already you've got you know um, your you know um, relationship stuff that you could work on. Like, oh, will they? Won't they? Is it moonlighting? Are they going to get together? We don't know. You've also got race relations because one's a white girl and one's a black guy. Also, the one you know, the black guy is cloak, and he is able to uh, use his spoiler alert, cloak to um, teleport people into this sort of like dark dimension. Mm-hmm. And he kind of traps them there and then can release them at will. Also, it seems to be, I think it is always threatening to envelop him and he needs her light in order to stave off the darkness. So then just that sentence alone sort of lets you work with the emotional balance of that. Right. right. And, and the ramifications of, you know, someone's quote unquote darkness needing someone's light to to help them balance. I think that could be very interesting storytelling. Um, so there's a lot of elements to these two characters that if I were a television producer or something, I'd be like, oh, there's so much we could do with these two. Yeah. So much to be mined. Yes. Reading here from Wikipedia, it says that Tyrone Ty Johnson cloak and Tandy Bowen dagger met in new york city as runaways tyrone was a 17 year old from boston with a debilitating stutter and ran away to new york city where his speech impediment prevented him from stopping his friend from being shot by the police who mistakenly believed he had just robbed a store well holy wow well this is ripped from the freaking headlines of today and this was back in the 80s that this was created um Tandy was a 16-year-old girl from a privileged upbringing mm-hmm. in Shaker Heights, Ohio, who ran away from because her multimillionaire supermodel mother was too busy with her career and social life to spend time with her daughter. When they meet, Tyrone considered stealing Tandy's purse, but before he could, a thief a thief stole the purse, and Tyrone retrieved it for her. Afterwards, they had dinner and became fast fast friends. Uh, they were created by Bill Mantlo and uh, Ed Hannigan. That was the artist, the, the Spider-Man artist, okay. who contributed um, the design work to the, to the two heroes who are considered mute, human mutates. So it doesn't say mutants. It yeah. says human mutates. I don't know. Um, yeah, like Spider-Man. Cloak's power is that she. Uh, Cloak's power is that he can uh, teleport, become intangible, and ability to link to the dark force dimension. While Dagger ha- can create daggers of light, 
able to purge she's able to purge addictions from people ah. and ability to heal with her light daggers and this was um, they were optioned and looks like for the television series um, starring oh man I just lost it uh, Aubrey Joseph and Olivia Holt nice I mean, I know a little about <clears throat> Cloak and Dagger because they were in the Ultimate Universe, and I kind of like their origin in that more. They're just like two kids who go to the same school, and they're going to like prom or something, and they get in a car accident. They're going to the prom? Yeah. Together? I, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're like high school sweethearts. I don't know if it's prom, but they're going to some school dance, and they get in a car accident, and then Roxxon has them um, declared dead and experiments on them, and that's where they get their powers. So... Yeah, I don't like that origin. I, about them. I don't know. I just heard, because, like, the way it is originally was that, like, drugs were tested on them and stuff. Yeah. And so it seemed like, I don't know. I, I just remember hearing that, there were, that their main universe origin is, like, sketchy. But that, what you just said, doesn't sound like it. So yeah, that's not sketchy at all. It sounds yeah. interesting. Um, there was some, oh. And it sounds better than what you just said. about Because yeah. I don't like the idea of there even being the hint of a romance between them why why there but there's a romance in the main universe okay but but if there's a romance in the main universe that comes because of their shared experiences with one another that's one thing because you are you are at least based on what i'm reading here you are taking that journey with them but if in the in that universe as you said they're already sweethearts then you haven't taken that journey with them so mm -hmm. therefore then the journey most likely is going to be one that leads them apart and i like it especially with these two people having the problems that they do and dealing with what they are i like it i like i think it's a more hopeful story them coming together so i i like that their original origin better that works i mean i think of it kind of like the fantastic four like weren't sue and reed together before their little thing happened they were a couple right but then they get married true but but in there but it, and uh, and they were a couple and 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 they got married and then a lot of the stories it's, of the fantastic four is about them breaking up true that makes sense um about the dark force dimension that's something some people said that going off going back to the tv show some people said that that's something um in Shield, which I don't really remember it in Shield, but I think they're alluding to. Uh, I don't think it's the Ghost Rider thing. Cause no, it's not the Ghost Rider thing. I think it's, I think they're alluding to. Remember when? Oh, I can't remember. Well, no, because then they were going to a, like a different, whole different planet. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, that was a different. Planet. Yeah, that was a different planet. But thing. there's um, it's actually definitely referenced in Agent Carter. Because Roxxon is testing on some, like, dark right. something. And since it is Roxxon in the show, it makes sense that it's possible that their dark force dimension in, the, in Cloak and Dagger is going to connect to Agent Carter. So that's cool. That's cool. But I don't need it to happen. Yeah. So you, but you, you were late coming here today because you said you actually watched the premiere episode. Mm -hmm. It was two episodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so what did you think? Hold on. Is that a half-hour episode each or an hour episode each? Oh, is that a half-hour episode each or an hour each episode? I think they were an hour each. Oh, so like two-hour premiere. Yeah. Word, go. So that was fun. 
I liked it. I was surprised because I was kind of coming in apprehensively. Like, I was just going to watch it. But I was pretty engrossed. I liked it. I mean, to be fair, I do like sappy teen drama stuff. Riverdale's great, by the way. Everyone should watch it. But, um, yeah, like, I like that kind of stuff. So that might have wended to me liking this. But I really liked it. Was it, uh, if you, is it in the same mode of Riverdale? No. No? It's definitely, it's definitely teen drama-y. But, like, Riverdale's kind of its own thing. Because, like, it, de- it takes everything, turns it up to 11. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like that. Right. But it is definitely a teen drama. Um, is the or- Which origin are, have they used for this? It sounds more like the original one. So more like the one I read. Yeah. I mean, in this, uh, I'm trying to think. It's not a spoiler because it happens in like the first few minutes. But they're both, well, Tyrone is actually more well off than Tandy. Okay. Because something happens to her family and they lose like all of their money. Because she was originally rich and then something happens and they lose all their money. Okay. And she's like not even living with her parents. She's living in like an abandoned church. So she has nothing. And Tyrone isn't super well off, but he goes to like a, seems like a nice school. Okay. So he's like more well off. So they flipped it. All right. Yes. It's fair. It was good. Um, but yeah, they're cool. I, I don't know. I don't love Tyrone's actor. Actor. Sometimes it feels like he's not Aubrey the Joseph. greatest. Yeah. But I really like Tandy's. That's her name, right? Tandy? Tandy, yeah. Yeah. I really like her actor, actress. And I like both their storylines. Olivia Holt. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of her. I don't know if I've seen her in things. She was on like Disney stuff. But yes. She was in Kicking It. Yeah, which was another thing that came out like right towards the end of my like childhood, so I wasn't really watching Disney when it was out. Okay. But yeah, one thing I was surprised about is Freeform. The last time I watched Freeform was like five-ish years ago. Oh, it wasn't Freeform then. Right, it was ABC Family, and in this they like curse and stuff, and I was really surprised. And like there, there's multiple times where people are like snorting drugs and stuff, and I'm like, this is definitely. Not the ABC family I grew up with. Well, I think but, that's yeah. why they went away from the family name. Yeah. So the, they would have the leeway to to get a little bit more edgier because they realized that the audience that they wanted to reach out to, which it's, it's true, there's teenage yeah. kids, but teenagers, right, this but is their still, life. Yeah. You know? And I, I wasn't, like, opposed to it. It just, like, surprised me. But, yeah, I liked it. Um, their powers were interesting. From what I could tell... Unless I wasn't paying close enough attention, I don't think they've fully explained their powers yet. Yeah, it makes sense. So, yeah, but they have them, and it's like they, they turn on at, like, weird times. Okay, so they're not really fun. in control of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It the show cool. looks good? Yeah. I, I like the look of it. They don't, like I, they don't use their powers too much, mm-hmm. but from what they do use them, it looked really good. Uh, Tandy's daggers kind of just look like glowing pieces of glass like i wouldn't be surprised if they're just plastic props that glow which i think is better than having like full-on cgi daggers so that worked and tyrone doesn't really use like the enveloping aspect of his cloak he just kind of disappears and reappears at times okay so yeah i'm assuming he'll use it at some point and something else their powers that i've heard is from the comics but wasn't in what you described is that they, when they touch people, they get visions. So when Tyrone touches people, he gets visions of their greatest, like, fears mm-hmm. and, like, what, like, upsets them. Or either, if not their fears, then, like, their deepest regret or something like that. 
And when Tandy touches people, she gets visions of like their greatest hopes and dreams. So that's fun. That's, that's an interesting. interesting touch. And also, it seems when Tyrone touches people, he also makes them a little dizzy. Because he's done it a few times and people get dizzy afterwards. So, yeah. Well, you know, all that, all that melanin can be dizzying. <laughs> it can be. Sounds good. You going to check it out? I'm going to check it out. Of course I'm going to check it out. Uh, I check out all of the shows if I can. Uh, I tuned in for one episode of The New Mutants and then forgot about it. You mean Runaways? I'm sorry, The Gifted. Oh, The Gifted. Yeah, The Gifted. I'm sorry, New Mutants hasn't come out yet. I'm excited about New Mutants. That's a horror movie. I'm excited. Um, Yeah, I tried The Gifted, and I I don't even, I'll be honest, I don't think I made it through the whole episode and then forgot about it. Um, But I'll try this out, and I'll see if I forget about it. Everybody keeps telling me that I have to watch Legion. Everyone tells me that. Every. It's fine. Because <laughs> I watched all of season one. I'm watching season two. It feels a lot like... I mean, you might like it. But personally, it feels like they care more about being different and out there than being like... Than telling like a good, strong story. Mm. Like, the story they're telling is is fine. But it just feels like... They could have told in, like, five episodes instead of 22. Oh, okay. And it feels like there's a lot of just side things that aren't necessary. Um, Season one was also weird, but it felt like that had a much tighter story. So I liked season one much more. Okay. And John Hamm narrates Legion now. Like, they have little, like, snippets where he'll, like, tell, like, teach a lesson each episode, which is part of what I don't like it's, like, just feels like oh that's clever but it's unnecessary but it's nice that john ham's narrating yeah i like john so, Hamm. yeah john ham can do no wrong if i could afford it he, he would have me buying uh mercedes oh really <laughs> he does it he did the commercial i believe he it's him on the mercedes commercial i would buy a car if clint howard was doing the voiceovers for it or you know what gilbert godfrey <laughs> i'm not buying a gilbert godfrey car i listen to your podcast but i'm not, <laughs> not buy a nice car um so yeah i'll try it out we'll see how it goes yeah we've got to check it out check out cloak and dagger on freeform word this paid it advertisement brought to you by uh nobody johnny destructo's hero complex yeah, yeah we are definitely a um a legitimate and official sponsor of freeform and cloak and dagger from marvel comics <laughs> you're welcome we got posters here. yeah but if you want to sponsor jd you can go to his patreon which he's going to make live today. Really? Yeah, I got a bunch of tears on there. <laughs> Salty, <laughs> weeping, <laughs> artist tears. Um, that, uh, yeah, uh, people were in here the other day helping me come up with different tears for uh, paying, you know, for giving me your money. Nice. <laughs> and things I can offer in return. So what is, so if people want to go and support your Patreon. That's a great question. I haven't made it live yet. I'm going to assume it's going to be, if you just look like Johnny Destructo Patreon. <laughs> It'll be there. So definitely do that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry. All right. Listen, it's a work in progress. uh, Yes. Yes. That you chose to announce before it was ready. But I didn't. Brandon did it. You're the one that said Patreon. Nobody's brought it up but you. Oh, You brought it up. He said it, and then it reminded me, and then I got excited. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Johnny Destructo Patreon. Google it. It'll, it'll be there, I guess. Um, what, uh, what else do you want to talk about, Leonard? <laughs> oh, we were supposed to talk about trailers. 
Oh, trailers. Oh, we got trailers. We've seen a whole um, lot of trailers. Uh, all right. So, should we start off with the mo- I'm I'm most excited. Yes, the about- one that is really jazzed you up. I'm jazzed. Uh, Bumblebee. No. Um, no, I thought that's what Spider-verse. you were talking about. I actually thought you were talking about Bumblebee. Oh, no. I was talking about Spider-Verse. You, did a, you danced a jig on Sp- Bumblebee. Uh, yeah, but it's spider You saw Spider-verse. Bumblebees in the car. He's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> it was cute. I do want to see Bumblebee. We'll get to that. I can't believe you want to. We're talking about Bumblebee. All right, let's talk about Bumblebee. <laughs> Railroading my, God damn it. So Bumblebee trailer hit uh, this this past what directed two by days Travis ago? Knight who directed Kubo, Kubo and, and the Lost two, two nope, Strings Two, two Strings, strings. Yeah. Kubo and the Two Strings one of my favorite films of that year uh, I saw it twice in the theaters it's absolutely gorgeous you, it's entirely possible that if you're listening to this you haven't even heard of it it, yeah. it got no play it got no um, marketing no, promotion. no yeah. promo I think it's on Netflix now though but goddamn it's good yeah. um yeah Kubo and the two strings it's a um stop motion stop motion thank you um it's so beautiful and it's gorgeous and like I was flabbergasted by the um design of the film mm-hmm. and I was pleasantly surprised to learn after watching it that it's actually uh, stop motion. It's not CG made yeah. to look like stop motion, yeah. which is what I assumed watching it. I went, well, this is too amazing. It's got to be like just CG made Computer to look. Or something yeah, like, right. but you know that big giant thing that he fights? That's that's like a real functioning, yeah. moving, unbelievable. Anyway, go see Kubo and the Two Strings. Same director who's doing this new uh, prequel to the Transformers called Just Bumblebee. Right. And I, for one hate with a burning and glowing phosphorescent passion the Transformers film all of them the first ones the first one I walked out going it was okay it was cute Uh, and that was about as much thought as I gave it the second one made me angry and I don't get you know, I'm a pretty chill guy. I don't get angry. I, you know what I do? I get angry at people who get angry too easily. I get angry at those people. But I got angry at Transformers 2 or 3. Whichever one had the Constructicon that two. had testicles, had wrecking balls for testicles. And then it had the... Do you remember the names of the characters? The two... <laughs> no, I, I actively forgot those racist uh, little monkeys. Yeah, they were ape-like... Uh, 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 Autobots that spoke a certain way and then let us know that they don't read too good. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I don't do this a lot, but I literally was like, I, I guess I forgot I was in a movie theater, but I, I literally looked around to see if anyone else was having a reaction to this. I was like, am I the only? Is it just, it's just me? So. That's yeah. the thing, yeah, they were Autobots. It's not even like they were Decepticons. Mm-hmm. Were, that wouldn't excuse it either. <laughs> no, true, but I'm just saying. But yeah. yeah but anyway, so with so that in bu- mind. Bumblebee trailer hit, and I went, I guess I'll press play. Whatever. I'm, it's, you know, 2 in the morning. I'm, I'm on, the be- on the bed on my phone, <laughs> and I'm just falling down a YouTube hole. And I am pleasantly surprised at how much I'm looking forward to the Bumblebee movie. Uh, it has Bumblebee in his original uh, VW bug form, which I had a little Bumblebee action figure. He was the only one I could just kind of put in my pocket besides like Ravage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, 
What was his pile name? Driver? No, pile driver. He had like he, the two tape cassette kids. Right. Oh, 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 God, 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 God. I know you. Rumble. About. Rumble and Ravage, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I could carry those in my pocket, and then the only Autobot that I really had that I could carry around with me all the goddamn time was Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Tiny little action figure. I loved it. I transformed him back and forth. You know, I would run him over things like he's driving over all the stuff. Favorite Transformer besides Optimus. And he looks like that, and it looks awesome. And it's like uh, a young girl buys uh, a car and is fixing it up, and it turns out to be Bumblebee, and he can't talk yet, and it's got all of these great like young teenage and big robot vibes like mm -hmm. um, the Iron Giant Iron which Giant. just hits me right in the feels every time I think of that movie and you know it just looks really sweet and fun and uh, it's got fucking oh, I, I cursed I did it I almost made it Starscream in his original jet form yeah so if I can see a lot of the Autobots and Decepticons in their original like G1 Generation mm -hmm. 1 forms you'll, you'll have me very happy the only thing that makes me even mildly interested in this is Travis Knight directing it. Mm -hmm. um, the trailer didn't do anything for you. It was just when afterwards you went. It was a cute trailer. I mean, it, I, I'm not going to lie. It was it was cute and it looked like it had more story than any of the other ones ever have. But that would stand the reason because it looked like it doesn't have as many transformers. Yeah. So you've got more to play with. You mm -hmm. know, um, less is more in this instance. But. That being said, do do I necessarily need a live action quote unquote Iron Giant? I don't think so. But if I'm with a group of people and they want to go see Bumblebee, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, because like I said, Travis Knight. I love Kubo under two strings. I loved it a great deal, great deal because, and not just for the animation. I thought it was a beautiful. Um, well-told, quiet story, mm -hmm. and I'm, that surprised me a, a couple points as well. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what he can bring to this universe. Mm -hmm. You know, because let's face it, the Transformers property as it as a whole, you know, is something that if done well, should make great movies. The yeah. problem wasn't the, the properties; no. the problem was the Michael Bay and the people behind it. Mm -hmm. So. You see what he does. Yeah, this one looks like it has a lot more heart than any of the other previous films. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that sort of is what pulling me towards it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually pretty excited about this, and I was, I'm was i just as surprised as anyone else that I would be looking forward to this film. But uh, you're not, I am not surprised that you are eagerly awaiting Christmas 2018. Yeah, I am. So that you can spin a web any size. Oh, I'll be spinning webs all over the place. <laughs> yes, you will. As you dip into the Spider-Verse with Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Uh, I'm so excited. We saw this first trailer several months ago. Yes. I want to say uh, back last Christmas time, they mm -hmm. dropped the first mm -hmm. trailer. And it had a really good feeling to it. Uh, there wasn't a lot to dip into. Story-wise, no. No. We but get a lot was, more here. Yes. It, it, the first trailer was definitely a teaser and to show you what the what this world was going to look like. Yeah. Which was enough. Yes. Because it looked amazing. Yes, it did. Because this is, because it's 3D animation, mm -hmm. but still has a little bit of a 2D type of vibe to it. And it's just real mad kinetic. The character designs are fantastic. This trailer gives you more of the story. Yeah. Which 
I was always like, oh, I don't really need the story because if I don't buy into the story, I don't know. And because it's giving you more of the story, I'm hearing more of the character voices. If I don't like the character voices, I don't know. Yo, this, this These were your worries going into seeing well, my the trailer? My worries going into, yes. Not your reaction to the trailer. No, my reaction to the trailer was like, yo, I am 100% yeah. in. I am in, baby. Yeah, yeah. This looks um, so good. A couple of notes. I think that Peter's body shape is a little weird. Um, his head to shoulder ratio is real strange. He's yeah, got, but I think that's the animation style. Yeah, no, yeah. The, that's the, the style they're going It just, for. he looks weird. It seems like that's only when he just, it feels like that's just though when he's just in his, like without the mask. Like when he has the mask on, I feel like everything looks the same. And I think Miles, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but I feel like his head kind of looked a little bigger than his body too. But in costume, it looked, it all worked. Uh, one of the things that I notice, if you freeze frame the one portion of it, Miles, I think this is kind of after he gets bit because he almost gets hit by a car, that classic Spider-Man, mm. almost gets hit by a car and he does like a gi giant yes. jump. But as he's running towards the street, he's passing by um, comic book uh, panels, um, not panels, um, voiceover bubbles. Oh, really? Is you know, he, what are they called? Little inserts? The, the, um, the, the, the captions. Caption boxes. He's running down the street and he's passing caption boxes that are floating in the air. I did not see that. We'll freeze frame it and we'll show you later. It was awesome. Similar to Scott Pilgrim. Yes, exactly. Which I'm a, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Um, so I thought that was cool. Um, I like the voices. So far, the voice to mouth movement seems a little off. But that um, may be the, the trailer. They're still you know, working on it. Well, no, because trailers, sometimes they're taking lines from one scene. And transposing them. Right. You're right. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, man, Gwen Stacy shows up. You got... Um, yeah, Spider-Gwen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I should have mentioned that. I'm sorry. Yeah, Spider-Gwen. I love seeing that costume in motion. I think that's one of the best designs the, of the past 10 years. Which is the only thing, because I don't really know a, a whole lot about that character, but I have to say that the, the character design is epic. But even but even the scene in which she shows up mm -hmm. is, like, like beautiful. Yeah. It, there, there's a... In the woods, and it's like there's, and they're they're playing with the camera angles and everything like that. It's just gorgeous. And there's a connection between your two favorite movies because the person playing Spider Gwen is Haley Steinfeld, who was the little girl, well not little, but the teenager in Bumblebee. So there. Oh, neat. All right, good for her. I saw an, um, on I think it was CBR Comic Book Resources. They had stopped the scene, the very first scene in a trailer or one of the earlier scenes when Miles is at a drawing board in his room. Yes. And you see up on the wall there's posters that allude to Batman and Superman. Oh. But yeah, it's just a really well-structured trailer. I think the music works. I think all of the scenes oh, yeah. are exciting. I And I really like that they're going with the strange, hulked-out version of the Green Goblin, the ultimate Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's like fire-breathing dragon kind of guy. He looks like an actual goblin. Right. So yeah, man, I, I couldn't get more excited for this movie. Um, I'm as excited for this movie as I am any other movie that like really gets my blood pumping. Right. You know, because there's sometimes where like I I don't like uh, I don't care about Solo. Yeah, I mean no. I don't care about the trailer for this or the trailer for that. And this one I think is it speaks to all the things that I really want in an animated Spider-Man movie. Now let me ask you, if this movie uh, winds up being as good as we're hoping it to be, right? Mm -hmm. 
are you then satisfied with a Miles Morales animated movie and thus possibly a series of Miles Morales animated movies or do you still want live action Miles Morales? I want a live action Miles but I'm very happy that he's you know what I'm happy he's getting anything mm-hmm. I'm glad that he's at a point where he can get a, a, a big budget I don't even know what the budget is I'm not going to say big budget well Sony it looks, and it ain't cheap yeah it looks good um, it's not one of those flash animation looking not at all things right. that I hate so much so I feel like he's getting a good a good um, what's, the, what's the version of a with the opposite of a short shrift he's getting a good push he's getting a good long shrift <laughs> um, yeah I think this looks good uh, and I'm excited for it it <sighs> I don't know if I, I don't know if we're ever gonna get a live action Miles movie. I think that Peter Parker, the name, is too mainstream for Miles to take over in the, like the mainstream Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, but then again, I mean, they did it in the in the Ultimate comic, so maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. What if this is like the start of an ultimate universe and maybe they just do the ultimate universe as in animated. animated form? Because I feel like that could be cool because then we could get like his, his like family, like Bombshell and stuff. And you could introduce like maybe the ultimates, you know, like there's some problems with that, but like you could introduce the ultimate universe and that could be fun just to see those guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's like the DC animated films. I love those, but I hate the movies. But I'm glad that we have the animated versions of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I wish that their live-action ones were as good? Yes. But I'm also content having the animated version that, I'm, that I get to enjoy. I, myself, would be happy with a Miles Morales if Miles Morales is only in animated form. And, yeah. the, and my main reason is because... If he does make it into the movies, and even if he is a hit in the movies, he's only, because actors grow, going to be in the movies but for so long. Mm-hmm. He's, going, he's going to grow out of, the, out of the role, and then they're either going to have to recast or totally reboot in some mm-hmm. way. Whereas if he is animated, the same people can play him for years yeah. and years and years. Even even if he does slightly grow up in the animated things, they can still he can still the person can still voice him, you know. Uh, and I think that there is room, and there is a space, especially in this oversaturated superhero comic book movie world, for animated series of films, an animated universe, you know, so which is where, Brandon, your idea of the ultimate universe, it's not a bad idea. I don't need it to happen. If they only, if they only did the quote-unquote ultimate universe by way of Spider-Man, Miles Morales movies, I'd be happy to start trying to build that out. I think that's like, just let's keep it simple. True. Did either of you guys watch the Spider-Man TV show with the Spider-Verse people. Because, like, Donald Glover voiced Miles in that, and Spider-Gwen, I'm pretty sure, was in it. I saw a couple of episodes of it. It wasn't yeah. bad. It was cool. Because I thought it was interesting, but I didn't, like... I watched, like, the initial episode where the, everyone got together, but I didn't watch anything past that, so I was just wondering. That was the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. 
where it was a little too young for me and a little too, I don't know. He'd do the freeze frame and talk to the, you know, yeah, he would, yeah, he would he Ferris Bueller. Break the fr- and, and it wasn't that just wasn't for me, especially coming off of Spectacular Spider-Man. So, and I remember it was a really big deal, man. I got I got ex- invited down to Marvel Studios in New York uh, to go see the first couple of episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a big deal for me to be invited to that. And then I walked out like, oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's for me. So, um, you know what? Just to piggyback off of your question about the animated versus the live action, mm-hmm. I have for years been watching the Pixar films and going and watching specifically Incredibles. Right. And going, why aren't they doing this? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they just making the big name property comic book movies as like Pixar movies? I'm, I want them. And like Big Hero 6 was another. Yeah, I think success. I watched it and I was like, holy cats, this is amazing. And I wanted more of that. So this speaks to that part of me. That's like, just give me just give right. me some more really good animated like CG movies. Yeah. Um, but I was having a thought while you were talking about the live action. I am flabbergasted. If I were to take a bet 20 years ago, how this would work chronologically mm-hmm. I don't think we would have had 10 years of amazing live action superhero movies That's fair. before we had an amazing animated film right. I would have said it'll they'll start off and they'll probably like do a bunch of really cool animated Pixar-ish type things and then eventually they'll do some live action stuff so it's kind of neat that we're sort of doing the inverse of that That is true Yeah very true If you want a very good superhero animated movie I can now officially vouch for Incredibles 2 oh Incredibles 2 is incredible it, it picks up right where the first movie left off with the underminer and it does not stop until it gets to the end oh. uh, and it's a whole it's I think it's it's still set in that world, that kind of quasi 50s, 60s kind of world, mm-hmm. and yet it the story is every bit as urgent as 2018. Oh. And I say that without trying to give things away. Interesting. But it is every bit as urgent, every bit as timely. Um, the action is insane. The action is totally insane. Everybody had the, the comedy, the comedy is it's funny movie. And it's definitely family friendly, but it's a superhero movie first. Nice. And that's what I really appreciated about it. And because of that, you are there are moments when you're into the movie. You're not laughing or anything like that. You're just into like what's happening. And you're like, mm. wow. Ooh. Damn, that was messed up. Like it's it's and and then me being an artist. I'm also paying attention to the artwork and the character designs and like the textures on the on the suits. Mm-hmm. Like the te- like, remember how great they looked in their suits in the first one? Yeah, yeah. The suits look better. Wow, it's the same freaking suit, but man, I I lie to you not. It's 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 whatever that lycra type of material, spandex material is on them. Yet you can see. Like little little bits of like the etchings in the in the fabric. It is so freaking beautiful. Was it? It wasn't like a three D or anything. It was regular showing that you went to. I went to a regular showing. Okay. Yeah. And again, this is 
these are movies that you don't need to see in 3D. Yeah. You're not losing anything. I don't even see most movies. movies in 3D. Yeah. Um, it, I wonder, with a thing like Incredibles, their movie was, was it 10 years ago? More? 15. 15 years ago. Before this glut of yes. high-budget, super-intense action yes. superhero films. And I wonder if they felt a pressure to, well, now we have to, like... Because we're also we're we're a cartoon, so that means we can draw literally anything. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how what sort of pressure they felt about making this sequel in an age where all of these superhero movies are sort of rote at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, and back then, you know, when Incredibles happened, everyone was going, "See, just do that." Yeah. Every every superhero, you know, um, company, just just do the Incredibles thing. Yeah. So yeah. But I, they're still going to be saying it. that. They're still yeah. going to be saying it. It doesn't have the same wonder as the first one, but mm. it can't. Yeah, of course. Because the first one just hits you like, oh my god! Yeah. But it's still you'll it it's it's a very very good time. It's going to make all of the monies. Oh, good for them! Next week, I can't wait. I'm very excited about it. What did I, I'm just watch? Oh, I just watched Coco. Oh, I still haven't seen Coco. I just just ugly crying for two hours. That's why I haven't watched just it. So much emotions. It's such a beautiful movie. Like yeah. the color schemes and the CG. And the story is so beautiful. It's so much fun. It's very inventive. It's very fun. Um, it's gorgeous. The songs aren't where I want them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the songs aren't as memorable as, is say, it a Moana. Lot of songs? Is there a lot of songs? No, there's like three. Okay, I can do yeah. three. But um, like Moana, I was listening to that and watching it, and I went, I want more songs. These songs right. are so great that I want more of them. Right. Um, and this one, I was like, oh, they're fine. They have like one song that they kind of hinge the film around, and it's okay. not as it's not a hinge worthy song. Mm-hmm. But other than that, man, I was a I was a mess. But Sushan, I looked over. Sushan is not as emotional as I am when it comes to watching movies or whatever. But she'll get caught up sometimes, and I'll catch her. You know. And I looked over this time, and she was just straight up sobbing. Wow. Because it was the the. And it wasn't because something sad was happening. It was because something was very emotionally grabbing yes. yeah, yeah. for her. Yeah, That's what I heard about the movie. That's the only reason why I haven't watched it yet, because when I see it there on my Netflix queue, I'm like... Am I ready for this? I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not yeah. ready. I sh- yeah, that's the way I was when I finished up season four of The Wire. Oh, oh. I was like, I was not ready for this. I, I was not you, emotionally man. prepared. I told you. Uh, but did you have you seen uh, Coco? I haven't seen much of any of the like supposedly for kid movies because I don't necessarily go to see them in theaters, and then I just don't take the time to watch them. It's so funny. It doesn't occur to me to that call for them kids. for for kids movies. Like a long, long time ago, I gave up that preconceived notion about Disney and about uh, Pixar in general. Yeah, I would go. I would see things like, oh, it's a kids movie about a talking fish. Oh, I guess they got to find Nemo. Right. Uh, who cares? And I went and saw, and I was like, well, f- shit. I can only think of one. Cars. Pix- for me, I'm sorry. Okay, there you go. Probably the, uh, the car series is definitely for kids, yeah. and I think the one. About the dinosaur. What was that? The good dinosaur. The good dinosaur. Oh, that's right. I, I didn't even see that either. That that is definitely, I think, was marketed for kids. Yeah. Even though, I because I took my two nieces to see that, and uh, it it scared them. Oh. There's some. It, it was some, and it was not like horror, but there was like like danger yeah. in the movie that really did frighten them. It's actually a a small 
But it's, it's, it's not a bad movie. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, there's certain, I guess, maybe there's two or three Pixar movies that I consider like toddler movies, not even yeah. kid movies. Well, definitely if, the Cars movies. Yeah, there's like... Cars 1 and 2. What are the, like, Matchbox the movie? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kubo... Uh, not Kubo. Um, Coco, I don't... That doesn't ring as a children's it movie It doesn't, especially with it's, the subject matter. Yeah, it deals with a lot of interesting emotional depth but i can see it being a good family movie yeah. because it would definitely open up very good conversation yeah um same thing for the incredibles i was surprised mm-hmm. by the incredibles when i went and saw that and they did like the whole watchmen you know there were superheroes and then one died and now we can't have superheroes anymore yeah. and so everyone has to live this like dull gray life yeah. even with their superpowers and they're outlawed and um a sidekick who couldn't be a sidekick so then he becomes the super oh, man i gotta go watch that again so I'm glad. I'm glad that it's. I'm glad you liked it, and I'm glad I got something to look forward to. There you go. Anything else? Oh, Wrecked Ralph. I didn't. I, I I saw that the trailer is out, and I haven't seen it yet. Someone called it, and I like this. You remember Ready Player One? Yes. They called it Wreck It Player One because <laughs> it's very much referential. Mm-hmm. But it's for Brandon. Yeah, I feel like personally, it feels like it. It's more closer to like my generation's Ready Player One because like it's got Disney princesses which have been for a while but just the Disney princesses really appeal to me and it's got spoiler there's like a bit of a Marvel reference and there's Star Wars references so it feels like I'm really excited for it and I didn't really I I liked the first one but not that much because I'm not super into video games but since they're going to the internet it seems like it's going to be more internet culture and movie culture and stuff so I'm way more excited for it. I want to have a quick little exercise before we get to our final segment of the show, ladies and gentlemen, which is Brandon Ask Us. Because you brought up about the Disney princesses, and I was always interested in, in this. First of all, can you list, and, and J.D. can help, can you list and let us, because I like to do this type of thing, rank the Disney princesses? I mean... I can. It depends. It's see that gets tricky though because it's like who's a princess. Uh, well, I can Disney says Disney. From what I understand, uh, uh, from what I understand, the original Disney princesses as we know them were. No, but you want me to say them? Okay. How many are there? Just say how many. Well, of the original that they always talked about was because there's seven in Kingdom Hearts, and I can list all seven of them. What about Princess Leia? No, 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 no. And and from what I understand, from what I understand, JD yelled Princess Leia. If you didn't hear, ladies and gentlemen, from what I understand, uh, Disney has you know, in a way, said that she's one of the Disney princesses, but she's not one of the Disney princesses that we're talking about. Do we want to just say like people who are actually like? Well, no. Say the one. So who are the princesses in Kingdom Heart? There's Aurora, who's like. Sleeping Beauty, I think. The, right, that's and Sleeping then Beauty. Snow White. Snow White. Um, Cinderella. Yeah, Cinderella. How many is that? Three. That's three. Ariel, I guess maybe. Ariel, so that's Little Mermaid. Yeah. There's a Beauty uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Belle from Beauty and the Beast. There's what else? We said Cinderella, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you said Sleeping Beauty. Um, what about um, um, Mulan? Mulan is, 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 is she in Kingdom Heart? She's not a princess, no. She's in it, but she's not a princess. So she's not considered a princess in Kingdom Heart? No. Okay, then what about... That's not the one I was actually thinking about. What about um, uh, Jasmine? Yes, she's one. Okay. 
And then they pay, they play kind of fast and loose because like they have Alice from Alice in Wonderland, but I wouldn't really consider her a princess. No, she's not. A, she's not a princess. Yeah. Um, and then um, I forget the character's name from Princess and the Frog. Tiana. Tiana. This game was before that, but okay. I'd say she counts now. But, but yes, she's definitely yeah. been made a princess. Um, and then uh, and Rapunzel. They, from Rapunzel. Tangled. Oh, now, okay. About, um, and didn't they say that uh, Brave? Yeah, Merida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just because they're all in the trailer, so I'm just thinking about the trailer now. Okay, like Elsa's in it. So Elsa, yeah, that's it. Okay, so let's rank these Disney princes. Okay. And didn't I hear someplace real quick? And it's probably not true, but then I hear someplace that they said that Tinkerbell was a, a, a princess. I've never. Or heard she's that. A, she's her own thing. She has like her own set of movies. There's yeah, like a bunch so, of yeah, fairy she, movies. like a whole bunch of the little fairies yeah. running around. Okay, so let's rank the Disney princesses. Okay. Okay. First of all, you're right. Some of them actually should not be princesses. Because to me, Alice is not a princess. Right. And I don't know if Mulan is because she wasn't. I mean, she never married into royalty or anything. Like, are we just saying actual people who married a prince? Well, or whoever were Disney is considered princesses. If we go go if we go that way, I don't think. Uh, there's a whole lot of them yeah. that maybe aren't really princesses. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're loosely princesses. Either way, I'd say Jasmine's at the top. You put Jasmine at the top? Yeah. Why Jasmine? Either Jasmine or Mulan. Well, wait a minute. Mulan is not married into royalty. Right. So that's what I'm saying. If she doesn't count, then Jasmine. And if she does count, maybe still Jasmine. I don't know. But, the why, but why Jasmine at the top? Just because, one, Cause I just really love, I really love Aladdin. And also, she's really she's one of the only ones who I feel does things for herself. Has her own agency. Yeah, which I don't think is necessarily the the other princesses. Like that's not them being bad characters. Just kind of the time that they, they came were out created it. But like Jasmine, there was like a whole. I remember when I was growing up, there was this whole Aladdin Hercules Power Hour, which was all about. Um, it was like the Aladdin TV show and the Hercules TV show. And they would focus on like Jasmine episodes and stuff, mm-hmm. and so it was cool that like she had like her yeah her own agency. Okay. So that's why I would put either her or Mulan because I feel like those are t- the two that have the most agency. What and about Brave, Merida? Yeah, Merida. I don't really count the ones who came out after I was like a kid, so I guess she's up there. To me, I don't for some reason I don't want to count the Pixar ones because they're Pixar. That's true too. Which yeah. which takes Merida out of it, but I also kind of don't want to count uh rapunzel because because uh, one because she's 3d and two because like rapunzel get out of here no (laughs) no i mean she didn't really do much no she didn't you're not actually saying anything you're you're talking about rapunzel and you're like i don't want to count her because she's not 2d and then also uh get out of here rapunzel that's not actually an opinion you're not actually saying anything that means that she's not in the ranking of Okay. Princesses. I'm, I'm over here doing my inventory, listening to you two jokers. Because um, I don't have much to say about the princesses in general, because I don't have a real great memory of the princesses growing up when I was a kid. I liked Aladdin, so um, I like Jasmine. Right. Um, I loved Brave. I loved the first half of Brave until they decided, fuck it, we're going to make it about this bear, which was weird as hell, and apparently... Uh, I'm not the only one. I, someone literally came in and just changed the rest of the movie. They just added this bear shit in. Um, but yeah, I, like Snow White. Uh, I've listened to too many cra- cracked podcasts. 
because they never really felt like characters for a, to me for a reason that I couldn't pinpoint. And then they eloquently sort of dived into it, and I went, oh, right. Uh, the only time that they're doing anything important is when they're asleep. Yes. Like, oh, I found a, I found a sleeping princess in the woods. Oh, this one's over here napping. I guess I'll kiss her and wake her up. It's like there's no agency for any of the the female characters of any Disney movie up until you know the ones you don't want to count, which are the Pixar ones, right? And the or later, Jasmine. Or Jasmine, yeah. Or Mulan, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. Th- God, I haven't seen Mulan in so See, long. Ca- she's not a princess. She's actually a princess. She's a. She just becomes a warrior, right? She yeah. like chops off her hair she's and becomes a, a male yeah, I warrior. I call her a princess. I mean, she's she's badass. I like Mulan, but. Uh, I won't call her a princess. I I I, I kind of agree with the idea of putting Jasmine on top. Mm-hmm. I know Disney doesn't, but I agree with putting Jasmine on top. Yeah, I she think, was pretty badass. Her with her like pet tiger, man. She yeah, was, she had a pet rad. tiger. Come yeah. on, get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? I think if you ask Disney, I think they probably either put Snow White or Cinderella on top, and primarily because they were like the first. Mm-hmm. I think Snow White was actually the first. Yeah, but um. I think I would put Jasmine on top. And Beauty and the Beast, I never liked Beauty and the Beast. I thought she was corny. I liked the movie, mm-hmm. but like I didn't need her in the movie. No. Beauty and the Beast is just like Stockholm Syndrome. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's no, not, he's not necessarily, right. Beast isn't necessarily like good to her. It's just like, I mean, he's fine, but he's not, it seems like she's just, he's the only person she has to talk to. And so she just kind of falls in love with him. And he's like, he gets pissed off, and he like throws the 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 plate across the room. He's like, the, the all the little the plates trapped people, the yeah. horrifyingly trapped people, um, who are plates and teapots and shit. They're like, nah, we need her to help us. You need to fall in love, so go be nice to her. And he keeps having to be taught how to be nice to a woman. Only so that he can fall in love with her. Only so, so that, that their can... curse can be broken. Fuck that movie. We just rewatched the, not rewatch, but we watched the redo, the remake. Oh. It's, it's the same bullshit. The movie. We, yeah, we watched it in, on the plane on the way to Taiwan, and we went, what the fuck is this movie? This is horrible. She's trapped, and now the only reason he's nice to her is because they want to break a curt. Fuck you. All right, so fuck the Disney princesses. Um, Brandon... Yes. It's time for your feature. Yay. Where Brandon asks us. So we'll give you uh, we'll give you three questions to ask us, Brandon. Okay. I mean, yeah, that works. I mean, if you only got if you only got oh, one. No. See, the last time I was on, you were like, Brandon, I don't know if you thought these questions through enough. <laughs> so in the past few weeks, I've not only been <laughs> I've not only been thinking of questions, but I've been writing them down and thinking of answers to the questions. Okay. I'm super prepared now. All right. So now it's just a matter of, like, which ones... There's two really good ones that I can think of. I'll ask... So the one I was thinking is good is, what would your ideal last character arc be for a character? And when I say last character arc, I mean they will never show up again. Mm-hmm. So I don't... I mean, like, no tie-ins, no anything. Like, I was thinking of, like, old characters, like the Shadow. Mm-hmm. I would say he his last thing wasn't whatever his last run is. It was Batman in the Shadow, which just came out. So I'm saying, like, this character will never be on a comic page ever again. What is the last thing you would want their art to be? Like, what character would it be and what would their art be? Wow, that's a good question. That's a real good question. Uh, years ago, 
I actually, and you know, as all artists have done, they draw their own comic books. Mm-hmm. So uh, years ago, I drew uh, my last Batman story, which, in reading it, rereading it, is horrible. But <laughs> and, and I would never want this to be the last Batman story. But uh, luckily, it's not canon. No. Well, it was licensed. (laughs) I had a license. Um, But, uh, um, and it was really, it was really weird. Like, Batman, he was, he was driven to, it, it was funny. Quick story. I drew this, I drew this comic, and it was basically a story of Batman chasing this, this homicidal killer who Robin, because at this time, Dick Grayson was Robin. Uh, that's how old this is. Um, but he was like older Robin, like teenage Robin. Uh, follows this this killer into a sewer and the guy gets to jump on Robin and kills him. So Batman, who knew chasing this guy that this was the one guy that was going to draw him out of his, out of, make him not be himself, corners the guy down in the sewers and pulls out a gun and shoots him and kills him. Batman does? Batman kills him. And in killing him, he says, I can no longer be Batman. Hmm. So then I drew a scene where Bruce Wayne has laid to rest Robin um, and at the gravesite is is, uh, the Teen Titans saying goodbye to Robin and Starfire's crying at the grave. And then later on at the grave, after all the the DC heroes have left, the Avengers show up to say their goodbyes. And we, they come upon Bruce Wayne, who was there at the gravesite. And they know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And they're like, are you okay? And he's like, I'll be fine. And he walks away. And that's what I thought would be the last Batman story. Uh-huh. Fast forward five, six years later, I'm reading, I find it and I'm looking through it and I'm like, I didn't even like draw the Joker in here mm. or anything like that. I got to do another last Batman story. <laughs> so I did another last Batman story where Batman comes back and now he carries a sword and now his, his instinct is like, no, I'm not going to leave until I take out all these motherfuckers. Oh. And he then goes and kills all of them. And Superman tries to stop him. And the, their final scene together is Superman's like, you can't be killing these people. He's like, I can kill, you know, like, this is what I'm in it for. I ain't got no time for this. Mm-hmm. I ain't stuck by all those morals you are. And then he jumps off the roof and he swings away. And that was my last Batman story. Both of these are horrible comics. Yeah. The artwork is full of, like, it, it's okay. I got a, more than a few Marshall Rogers swipes in there because sure, I love yeah. Marshall Rogers. I know, I know. Um, but uh, it, it, it's horrible. Over the years, I've thought if I was actually to have a last Batman story, what would I actually want it to be? And I knew what I wanted to be, and you know what? As much as I don't like the the movie, the Dark Knight Rises gave it to me. Oh. Because my last Batman story, it wouldn't have been that story per se, but my last Batman story 
would end with him hanging up the cape and being off with Catwoman. Yeah. Some ways, just living his life. Nice. So yeah, it was nice seeing, for all of the huge, gaping, bleeding <laughs> holes of that film, yes. throbbing, <laughs> awful, awful. Um, that I liked seeing him happy, putting up the cape, hanging out with Selena mm -hmm. out in like Paris or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, with her, it, with her with his mom's pearls. Yeah, man. I like that. That's like my favorite part of that movie. Yes, it is. The fact that he looks over and there just happens to be fucking Alfred, that was dumb. But True. But I liked seeing him in that space. Yes. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I think mine has already sort of happened, and it's a futuristic Spider-Man story. You know I had to, as a thwip tribble, you know I had to go <laughs> Spider-Man on this. And honestly, I think, you know, one of the, my biggest problems with some of the 90s Spider-Man stuff during the Clone Saga, besides all the back and forth and flip-flopping, was um, Mary Jane has a baby. And the baby gets swiped by uh, a nurse who has been hired by Norman Osborn and taken off onto a boat and never seen again. And I just kept waiting in my naivete for that character to show up. And I kept being like, well, where's, where's, where's the baby? Spider they had a baby. Um, and, you know, it was presented to them as they had a uh, miscarriage. Right. The baby was stillborn. So they don't know there's a baby out there, but we, the readers, do. And I kept waiting for the big revelation of that. You know, and they even, they even referenced it in Sins... Was it Sins Remembered? Where Norman actually comes back at the end of the Clone Saga, and they finally kill off Ben Riley, and he turns mm. to dust. Um, he, th he says he's got May. He's kidnapped May. So, and at this point, Aunt May is dead. Right. So his only thought is, it's you've got be. my kid. Right. You've got little May Parker. And it turns out that oh, he meant Aunt May Parker. And so that was a disappointment. So what they did eventually was, I think Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends okay. did a series in, the, remember the future of the MC universe was MC squared? Yes. Or MC, yeah, squared. Yeah, squared. MC2. Um, and there was May, Mayday Parker, mm -hmm. uh, Peter had lost one of his legs and he had like a fake leg and she was getting her powers and she was in high school and she was going to Midtown High and she was becoming Spider-Girl. And that's what, that's my final Spider-Man story is knowing that he's, you know, done his gig. He's, mm -hmm. he's done his responsibilities worth and now uh, him and MJ are married and their daughter is taking over the mantle and becoming Spider Spider Girl, which I, I really liked. Um, and you know, honestly, those issues really, really tapped into the 1960s, 1970s era of the original Spider-Man stuff, with like sort of the hokiness and the playfulness and, and all the other stuff that right. it was it was really kind of impressive. And they kept trying to cancel it. And yeah, then, they did. And they kept the letter writings just kept bringing it back. Yeah, right? yeah. The readers kept they brought it back like three times. I'm about to say they saved it. I think like yeah, three times off crazy. the off the chop, chopping block. Yeah. And the last time, didn't it? Um, they give them enough of uh, a heads up so they could properly. I think end they it. ended it. Ended yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. They wrapped it up. Um, now, what I don't want is Spider-Man Reign, R-E-I-G-N, oh, which yeah. is sort of um, Kari Andrews' version of The Dark Knight Returns, but for Spider-Man, where it was revealed that uh, Spider-Man's semen was radioactive and he gave MJ cancer by having sex with her, and that's how his wife died, and now he's an old man 
And although the, the coolest thing in it was that Doc Ock's arms, because they're like an AI, mm-hmm. they were just still walking around, dragging the corpse of Dr. Octopus <laughs> with it, which to me is just the darkest, most horrible and amazing thing. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's kind of cheating because it's been done. Uh, but if but it's that's your where, story, that's where I would have ended then, it. That's where I would yeah. like to see Pete, you know. Um, so, yeah, there you go, Brandon. That's cool. Um, when yours made me think of something in Injustice year three, I think. Which I have. It's. Did you read it? Yes. Because your story kind of happened. I mean, not the whole thing, but the aspect of Batman killing someone and then hanging it up. That happens in a... A, um, in what? In in, in Injustice Year 3? Because Injustice Year 3 is dealing with the Hellblazer. No. Yeah. And it's that they put Superman to sleep. Right. And in his fantasy... Oh, yes. Batman yeah. kills, the, kills the Joker. Kills the Joker. And yeah, then yeah. And then goes to jail. And hand out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I really liked. Um, Actually, I, th- I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I, I thought Injustice was started off great. I didn't really like years... I didn't really love Year 3 or 4 or 5. But I haven't. I'm waiting for the big books of them, so I only buy them in big book forms. Yeah. I haven't read read year four or five, but I'm I'm enjoying injustice in that it's because of what it is. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. Yeah, so, and but, Tom Taylor wrote it, but he stopped writing it after year two, which is why I feel like it took a dip. I thought he wrote year three too. He he might have, but I think I heard he stopped after year two. I just know I really liked Year 1 and 2, and I remember people saying he wrote the ones that I liked. Mm. But he also is writing Injustice 2, and I'm really liking that because it's not really connected to the games at all. It's really just its own universe now. Which it should be. Yeah. But, like, Superboy is um, Superman now. So well, like, I don't want to hear about that because I haven't read yeah. 4 or 5 yet. Well, you, oh, yeah. You might not know what happened to Teen Titans because that was in an annual, so I don't even know if you would have read that. But my story would probably also be a Batman story. If not Batman, then Tim Drake. Because <clears throat> I feel like they would do the same... For me, it would be the same ending, but just for different reasons. Which would be that they pretty much eliminate crime, but like okay. it works. Because mm-hmm. that happens all the time in comics. Like yes. I remember, I started thinking of this when I was reading Detective Comics. Because it's like, oh, he's got all these people, and they're doing such a great job of eliminating crime. It's like it's going to something's going to happen to mess it up because mm-hmm. it always does because you have to keep telling stories. Right. <clears throat> but I think for the last story, it would be cool if he found a way to eliminate crime that isn't like a totalitarian government or something. He just finds a way to maybe like inspire people enough that they no longer want to commit crime or something like that. Like maybe he takes out all of like the biggest crime lords and just makes crime like non, like not non-existent, but makes it, just not profitable anymore. Like okay. he makes it that there's a better way for people to live their lives. Like they just don't need it anymore. That would be interesting. I actually, um, in one like one of these, like you know, when you're a comic book reader, you become a comic book creator of a sort. And in this universe that I created, this brainiac type character had got tired of whatever machinations he was proving, trying to prove. And ultimately um, went to prison for 10 years because he never killed anybody because it was always just like industrial crimes. Mm -hmm. So then when he came out, he just started getting patents upon patents upon patents. But he based himself 
in Kansas City. And he just kept getting these patents that would benefit the city. And as and he's a brainiac type, so he was doing patents like a patent a week. And he was just making money hand over fist. So much so that not only did the city learn to trust him and turn over, you know, like control of their electronic grid to him, but they eventually vote him mayor. And then as he just keeps creating and benefiting the city, it gets to the point where the city totally trusts him. He has not only eliminated crime in his city, he is now offering to eliminate crime in his state because he can do it. He has the network to do it. Runs for governor, eliminates crime in his state. Now his state becomes a beacon for criminals who do not have a violent history. If you want to truly rehabilitate your life, he will offer you the opportunity within his state, but you cannot commit any crimes. If you do, not only will you be kicked out of this state, I will deliver you to the superheroes. And now all of the criminal, tons of criminals come to this state and they begin prosperous lives because one guy who is like a great driver he starts and this was like in the years before uber he takes over the whole like limo service there and he's making money hand over fist because he takes over the limo service in the entire state i just thought it was a really cool idea it i is. never did anything with it i mean that reminds me a little outside have my little of... fantasies in a, in a shower <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me a little of um, Invincible, though, but that was obviously with different... Yes, different ending. Yeah, and with using different methods. Different. Um, but with me, I would think, just the, for reasoning's sake, I would want Batman to do it because, obviously, his whole thing is he won't stop until there's no more crime. Yeah. So yeah. it would be like he could hang it up at the end. You want to give him an end, an, an end game. Right. Definitely. And with Tim, it's because he always wanted... It always seemed like he always wanted like an end point. I see myself in, in him in that regard, in that, like, it, it, there's no re I don't like doing things unless there's going to be a point where it stops. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like he always does this because he genuinely sees, like, an end to crime at some point. And that's something that happened in the Red Robin series where he was, like, going after the major crime lords and stuff because he was like, I'm going to end, like, organized crime. And then I remember he, like, dismantled Red, Red, Ray Al Ghul. He dismantled, like, his organization. But it was, like... He didn't. He couldn't do it completely, but he like dealed him like a serious blow. And Raish calls him the detective, which I always love, because he called him young detective before, but now he's calling him detective, so he's putting him at Batman's level. So I always really like that story. So yeah. What's your next question? Okay, I got a few. All right. Let's. How many more questions do you want him to tell us? One more question. I'll do it. We'll do a simple one. What's okay. um. Your favorite naming conventions in comics. Naming so, convention? Yeah. So like double name, double, like alliterative names, like Lois Lane, things like that. Or maybe like anagrams, like shield, uh, sword, hammer, things like that. Like do you, like what's your favorite anagram or your favorite 
alliterative name or something like that. Because mine, I'll just say mine first. Go ahead. Mine is Hammer from uh, Dark Avengers because it doesn't stand for anything. And I love that. I love that Norman Osborn, he's like, we're going to rename S.H.I.E.L.D. Hammer. And his secretary is like, cool, what's it going to stand for? He's like, I don't know, make up something. I just want it to mean Hammer. And I just find that hilarious. That's a perfect uh, representation of corporate America. Yep. I want this. Make it mean a thing. That's certainly a representation of of uh, current America. Mm. Mine, absolutely, without a doubt, is alliteration. Peter Parker, J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, apparently, just recently, Brian Michael Bendis brought me a new one in the Man of Steel number one, which I was very excited about. This issue it was very good. Melody Moore. Yeah. The uh, the police, the fire chief. Mm-hmm. So I just I just love that for whatever reason. Um, I wish I wish I had an alliterative name. I, I you know I made myself one. I, I should have done that. Johnny Destructo is not a real name. The thrift triple. I did it. What's yours? What do you got? I never thought about them. I don't really care. Um, no. I think when I read, you know, when it was just uh, revealed to me about all the LLs in the Superman universe, you know, Lois Lane, Lana Lang, Laurie Lamaris. I was like, ah, okay. And then you went about your day. <laughs> I went about my day. Um, Peter Parker, J. Jonah Sameson, honestly, until you just said it, I never even noticed. Oh. So I, I don't care. The anagrams, I thought S.H.I.E.L.D. was always cool, but I remember back in the days of um, early Stan Lee where S.H.I.E.L.D. would Change the meaning depending on which comic book he was. Yeah, writing. that was that was because he kept forgetting. Um, so I think they made a gag about that in Shield episode one, right? Oh, did oh I think they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. was like, oh yeah, strategic something, homeland defense, whatever. And he goes, <laughs> do you know what that means? And she goes, yeah, it means somebody really wanted something to spell Shield. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a Joss Whedon line. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, also, uh, in Hickman's Shield run, I think it was in Hickman's run. Uh, no, it was in Bendis' run. He mentions it in Iron Man 600. Leonardo da Vinci's in it, and he says he started S.H.I.E.L.D., and he gives, like, his name for it, and he's like, they changed it, I don't know why, yeah. to this thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But the L thing is actually what made me think of this, because I was watching a video by a YouTube channel called NerdSync, who discusses, like, they take comics and discuss it as, like, a class, sort of. Like, they, they, their tagline is learning through comics, and so they were discussing the L's and all the different... They were like the L conspiracy. Like, why are there so many L's? Because, like, his name is Cal L, and there's so many L's in Superman's life. So, yeah. That sounds like a bunch of looking for something that's not there. Oh, yeah, no, he, he, totally, he totally admitted that it was just for fun. Like, it wasn't, like, a serious thing. Okay. But, yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much for joining us here at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Maniunk. Uh, you should also listen to the Black Tribbles. They have a whole... They go, how many shows do you have now? Uh, we just did episode 335. No, no. How many shows do you have? How many... Oh, on, on our network? How many different shows? We have four different shows. That's it? Yeah, because the Michelle Mission is no longer on the network. That's on his own thing. Oh. Um... Because it's got it's got it's got a whole bunch of other deals going. I was excited about a new one you had. What was the what's the new episode? The of ghouls Michelle? next door. No no no, the newest uh, Michelle mission. Oh, we just did. What did we just do? We just did. Um, we did state property and then Menace to Society. Yeah, I want to actually. I've never seen that movie, 
but it popped up in my feed and I was like, oh, I've been meaning to watch that. I should watch it and then listen to the Michelle mission. You should. Why yeah. you should? Because that is a certifiable classic. No, but we've got four shows on our network. Um, the Ghouls Next Door that just uh, debuted this past week. They reviewed Aliens. Ah. Um, it was really, really funny. Um, and then we've got another show debuting next next week. And then we've got the Black Tribbles, which we did last night with our all new lineup because Ariel Johnson is now one of the Tribbles. Hey, Ariel. So that was Welcome. A, a lot of fun. Um, and then we've got Gutter Talk. So, yeah. Gutter Talk. We, we rocking and rolling. Yeah. All right. Oh, on Colt, on the Colts Pop Network, you can go to coltspopgo.com. You can actually click on the bright red banner that's on the right side of the site, and you can leave us a voicemail from your phone, from your computer, if you've got a microphone. Uh, leave us some voicemails. Man, we would love to hear from you. Let us know your name and where you're calling from, and then ask us a question or just tell us we suck. Um, uh, also, on, on the Colt Pop Network, you can find Sound, Sight, and Mind, which is a... Uh, retro look back at the Twilight Zone shows. Mm -hmm. You could also listen to the Cannibal Horror Cast, which is a horror movie podcast. Uh, we're a little behind. We're going to get some more going. And then, yeah, Gutter Talk and Spoiler Alert, which is our weekly comic book review show with me, Rob, and Mark. There you go. All right. Thank you so much, Brandon, for asking us. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> You can find us at uh, Black Tribbles on, uh, on uh, uh, what's it called? Twitter. I'm all fucked up now. Um, on Twitter, you can find at JD's Hero Complex on Twitter. You know the deal. Blacktribbles at gmail.com. Copopgo at gmail.com. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk at you later. Da -da -da!